Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Nitro Mania podcast. My name is Adam, and I am your guide through everything that is in the world of mid-90s Monday night wrestling programming produced by a company based in Atlanta, Georgia. Before we get to the good stuff this week, I actually did get some feedback about uh, my query last week about putting feet on the ropes and how that helps prevent the person from kicking out. Uh, our friend Jason, you know Jason, over at the Rundown Proper show said uh quote feet on the ropes changes the center of gravity making the weight distribution on the chest of the person covered heavier if you take the same amount of weight on a barbell it's easier or harder depending on your angle so say you have 135 pounds on a bench you can do more reps on a decline press less on a flat bench and the fewest on an incline press it changes your center of gravity and the amount of distance you have to press i can confirm this 100 percent Still unconvinced, I went and asked the one man I knew would have an answer. A man who has made this move famous, the one and only, fabulous Johnny Vegas. In true Johnny Vegas fashion, he first said, You know wrestling is a work. But then added, The feet on the ropes thing is a heel move just to garner more heat, hopefully. I guess there could be a leverage thing, but it's more of a heel thing to do. So there you have it. From the expert, it does absolutely nothing. I was right. Okay, so, last week on Nitro, we were promised the rematch that the world had been clamoring for, Macho Man versus Meng. Uh, we were also promised a TV title shot for a pre-Latino heat Eddie Guerrero. Would that make him Latino room temperature? Oh, Latino tepid. And Sting versus Dean Malenko. Now, as I said last week, given the lack of build for these two matches, I expect things to go awry, but let's find out together, shall we? It is Monday, November 13th, 1995, and we are not live from Jacksonville, Florida. Again, what? Huh. We go to the desk. Bischoff reminds us that the winner of the World War III Battle Royal will become WCW Heavyweight Champion. Pepe is dressed like a superhero, and Mongo mumbles something about how much he enjoyed Giant being stripped of the title last week. Bischoff then sends us to the, quote, former world champion, unquote. We get sent to a fake graveyard and the sound of someone shitting or coming. I'm not sure which. It turns out that this someone is Hulk Hogan, dressed in a black hooded cloak, wearing black gloves and a black Phantom of the Opera mask. He's also holding a sword. What the actual fuck is going on. Hogan says Macho Man is going to decapitate Meng and then expresses doubts about Sting's loyalties after his interaction with Lex Luger last week. Hogan says he's going to look Sting somewhere in the eye, that's a quote, and says if he's gone to the dark side, he'll be moved to the top of Hogan's hit list. Hogan says that the Hulkamaniacs aren't affected by the stench of the Dungeon of Doom, and then says again that Savage is going to bring Meng's head on a silver platter. I am now 98% sure that whatever that dude was on during last week's Venice Beach promo, he shared it with the Hulk before they filmed this promo. That was utterly bizarre. Back at the desk, Bischoff asks Mongo how it feels to be referred to as a, quote, former world champion, as though Mongo would know. Then Heenan predicts that Hogan is going to be the first eliminated from World War III. 
to the ring, and I noticed something interesting during the wide shot. Some stage hands rotate the entire desk set so that it faces the ring. Not the metal framing, you know, above that holds the lights and whatnot, but the, the actual set on the stage itself. Spins 180 degrees. I thought that the commentators, you know, just turned around in their seats, but no, the entire desk is on a rotating platform. Macho Man in his future NWO outfit runs in from the crowd and attacks Meng from behind. Much like their Halloween Havoc match, this match spends a lot of time outside the ring, but unlike their Halloween Havoc match, sadly, this match lasts a lot longer than a minute and a half. Also, no one from the crowd tried to get into the ring. This match consists of about 106 corner chops from Meng, then an elbow drop and pinfall from Savage, so same old shit. After the match, Shark runs out to attack Savage, then Luger appears to destroy Macho's left arm. We're back from break for Kensuke Sasaki, which is misspelled on his nameplate, by the way, versus Chris Benoit. During Sasaki's entrance, we get a great shot of some crowd members from the neck down. Thanks, cameraman. This match was... okay. There seemed to be a lot of miscommunication between the competitors, as there was a noticeable amount of missed spots. Benoit wins with a nice German suplex, German suplex, dragon suplex combination. Then Heenan calls him the Canadian Crippler on Nitro for the first time. Then, as we're going to break, Bischoff casually reminds us that he's the newest member of the Four Horsemen. I'm really, really not used to a world where the Monday Night Show is not the flagship where everything happens. I assume this was announced elsewhere, like maybe Saturday night or something, because it seems like such a throwaway here. Oh, yeah. And if you didn't know, Benoit's the newest member of the Four Horsemen. We'll be right back. Just so strange. Speaking of which, this Saturday on WCW Saturday Night, Benoit versus Guerrero, Sting versus Bunkhouse Buck, and Dean Malenko. Your next contest is the television title match between Eddie Guerrero and Johnny B. Bad. Johnny's cape says, have a bad day, which seems like something a face shouldn't say. He then throws frisbees into the crowd because DDP stole his confetti gun. It's sad when you lose your load. Eddie Guerrero gets a jobber entrance. Eddie and Johnny shake hands as the bell rings and we are on our way. Bischoff tries to get Heenan to talk about his alliance with Sonny Ono. Heenan dodges the question, says, how does Bischoff even know there was money in the envelope? And then says that, quote, the Japanese have been treated poorly in WCW. Something that, if you listen to our Halloween Havoc episode, you'll know doesn't end just because Heenan took a payoff. Also during this match, we see the commentators in the background, and despite the lazy Susan I mentioned earlier, they're facing away from the ring. I know they have monitors, it just looks odd to hear them talking about the match while seeing them facing a blank wall. And I'll tell you what, I thought Earl Hebner was bad at giving away two counts, but during this match, there is one pinfall where Randerson nearly pulls Eddie Guerrero off of Johnny B. Bad because it's not the finish. During a springboard senton from the apron, Dave Penzer tells us that there are two minutes left in the match. Bischoff then tells us there's a ten-minute time limit here, something that would have been good to know at the beginning of the match. The time limit expires as Bad and Guerrero just start punching each other again. Bad gets his title, Eddie shakes his hand again, and they hug. Aww. This match was fantastic. Though not a cruiserweight himself, you know, Johnny B. Bad has that style that melds well with the cruiserweight style, and these, these guys just went at it. It's a great performance. Back at the desk, and Bischoff informs us that Hogan will be on Nitro next week and that he wants to wrestle Sting. 
Mean Gene. Pull up your socks and get ready. Is in the ring with Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, and the Giant. Gene admonishes Jimmy for his behavior at Halloween Havoc, but Jimmy, he's okay with what he did. Gene reminds Kevin Sullivan that he promised that the Giant would win the Battle Royal. Sullivan says he's been trying to end Hulkamania for ten years. He again promises that the Giant will win the Battle Royal. Ten years, by the way, meaning that Kevin Sullivan has been trying to end Hulkamania since Hulkamania was a thing. Because that would be 1985. November of 1985. Which is after WrestleMania 1. That logic doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. Anyway, uh, he again promises that the Giant will win the Battle Royal. Giant promises again to win while Sullivan pretends to have a seizure while putting his hand to his ear like Hogan does. It was it was weird, you guys. Back from break, your main event tonight is Dean Malenko versus Sting. Uh, Malenko spends most of the match working Sting's left knee. The match actually ends kind of abruptly when Sting counters a Texas Cloverleaf into a small package for the pinfall victory. The match was good. Not as good as the TV title match, but still enjoyable. I just think Guerrero and Bad's styles blended together better than Sting and Malenko's. The action itself was fine, and the match psychology worked well. It just felt like something was missing. Of note, during this match is the probably 20-something guy in the front row wearing a purple WCW sweatshirt with the neck cut out in a giant swoop like he was Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. Back from break for a nice shot of the logo that lasts an oddly long time. We're back at the desk. Bischoff reminds us the... uh, Bischoff reminds us of the entire Hogan Giant storyline from the past three weeks. Bischoff asks what the deal is with Sting and Hogan. Mongo tells us that basically Hogan is going to go down his hit list. Bischoff asks Heenan what the deal is with Sting and Luger. Heenan says he doesn't know, but even if he did, he wouldn't tell us. We then go to the ring so Gene can ask Sting directly what the deal is with him and Luger. Sting says he has nothing against Hogan and never expected to be challenged to a match. Sting says he's looking forward to a match with Hogan next week, and he doesn't mention Luger at all. Hmm. Gene makes some odd comments about a rat. Sting then accepts the challenge again, just in case we didn't get it the first time. Still hasn't mentioned Luger at all. Uh, Gene then calls Heenan a con man for some reason and sends us back to commentary. Bischoff reminds us yet again that Sting left with Luger last week and says, Sting broke the hold on Ric Flair when he had him right where he wanted him. Which doesn't really make sense, because the match was over, and everyone was trying to get him off of Flair. Heenan calls Hogan a lost man who's looking for trouble, and we go off the air. Now, this was another decent episode of Nitro, uh, other than that Hogan vignette at the beginning. Uh, Some good action in the three matches that we got, and the promos were passable, not unwatchable. Uh, I don't think it was quite as good as last week's episode, but certainly not terrible. Uh, this es- uh, this episode of Nitro holds a 5.45 rating out of 10 on cagematch.net, which says it got a 2 TV rating versus that week's episode of Raw, which was still recorded on October 23rd in Brandon, Manitoba, and featured Henry O. Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley going to a no contest, Ahmed Johnson squashing someone named Jake Steele, King Mabel squashing someone named Roy Raymond, and a main event of Sid versus Razor Ramon with 1-2-3 Kid as the special referee, which Sid won. That episode of Raw currently has a 2.13 rating out of 10 on Cage Match, lower than its TV rating of 2.6. 
Elsewhere in the world on November 13, 1995, a truck bomb explodes outside of a U.S.-operated Saudi Arabian National Guard training center in Riyadh, killing five Americans and two Indians. A group called the Islamic Movement for Change claims responsibility. Also, the first male winner of Austria's next top model, Oliver Stumvoll, was born. And that's it for this episode of Nitromania. I can only hope that Hogan comes to the ring next week dressed in the same stupid getup he was in during his promo this week. Sadly, I feel that I'm going to be disappointed on that. Send any feedback that you may have to me at rundownwrestling at gmail.com or tweet me at rundownpodcast. Be sure to check out the live broadcast of The Rundown on Thursday night at youtube.com slash rundownpodcast. If you'd like to see me in person, coming out to Elkmania 5 at the Beverly Salem Elks Lodge in Beverly, Massachusetts on Saturday, September 23rd, or coming out the following Saturday, September 30th for APW Overload featuring the return of the Gil Bonk Invitational Battle Royal at the Salisbury Boys and Girls Club in Salisbury, Mass. And be sure to come back next Tuesday right here on the Rundown Feed for an all-new episode of Nitromania. Bye-bye. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this advertisement for Words of Geekdom, a podcast where we talk about all the latest geeky news and our favorite geeky hobbies. We also discuss the trials and triumphs of being geeky parents, plus some of our what-the-heck moments. And any other way we can stick our foot in our mouth. Check out Words of Geekdom every Wednesday morning on SoundCloud, iTunes, your favorite podcast service, and questandnetwork.com. Put our dulcet tones deep in your ear holes. 